0: Hello and welcome back to In and Out the Locker Room presented by Capital Championship Wrestling. I'm Melissa Marino, host of Let's Get Serial and Pro Wrestling Commentator. She is the host of a wrestling gal podcast and CCW commentator Ella J. And Of course, we are joined today by an amazing guest. She is pro wrestling's number one angel and a CCW star on the rise, Notorious Mimi. Hey guys,
1: thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you so much for being here. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm feeling good. Um, you know, nice and happy. It's a good Tuesday to just be getting work done. Basically.
0: We love this. We are all about getting the work done. You've certainly been doing a lot. So we have to touch on that.
1: (laughs) Let's dive in. Let's
0: talk a little bit more about your journey and, uh, and let's begin at the beginning. I know this is something you've discussed in interviews before, but you started training at a very young age. What was the reaction of family and friends when you were deciding to pursue pro wrestling?
1: I think there was definitely a little bit of surprise at first because a lot of people, you know, when they start wrestling, they've already been a really long time wrestling fan. But I actually discovered wrestling the year before I started training. I started watching it when I was 13 and then I immediately started training like the year after. So I think for some people it was a little bit of a surprise, but everyone was very encouraging.
2: Definitely too. I know I've talked with you about that too. You kind of, you found wrestling through YouTube, if I'm correct. Yes. Um, yeah. And then the next year you decide I'm just going to do this. And I mean, a lot of people your age at 14 years old have no idea what they want to do with the rest of their lives, but you were definitely ahead of the game and the sky <laughs> has certainly been the limit for you. So yeah. I, we're really curious too. What do you feel like were some of the challenges of starting your career at such an early age, like 14 years old, at starting to train pretty much?
1: Um, I mean, one of the very clear ones is where you're legally allowed to train. Um, I grew up in Pennsylvania and there's an athletic commission there and you're not allowed to wrestle until you're 18. And for a lot of the surrounding states, that's similar. That's the same case in uh, New York. And I believe also in like Washington, DC area. So I would drive across the state border to New Jersey, which was not terribly far. It was about an hour, but I would have to go into New Jersey to train because they don't really have any athletic commission for pro wrestling.
0: Dang. Well, and, and do you feel like with training at such a young age, was there ever really a pressure to, you know, kind of grow up more quickly?
1: I feel like I always put that pressure on myself more than anyone else did, to be honest. Um, I'm the younger sibling, so I automatically did that my whole life anyway. Um, but I don't know. I think people were pretty welcoming of just however you were. Um, wrestling certainly teaches you stuff that makes you feel more like mature and you learn better, just how to like interact with people and network. But I, I don't really ever think there was any extra pressure to grow up.
2: Was there anything then with, with learning to grow up in a sense, like you said, with networking or connecting with those, was there anything you kind of had any difficulty adapting to? Cause like there is stuff like networking at like 14, 15 years old. I mean, you have your social life, but then there's a different path you have to go professionally. So can you kind of tell us more about the process or the transition that you kind of had to adapt very quickly with networking and stuff like that?
1: I mean, I'll be honest. It took a while for the most part. I would just go to my shows and like talk to people in a friendly way, but getting used to like trying to talk to people like as like a, Hey, I'd like to come work for your promotion, wherever, you know, I'd want to be on this podcast or stuff like that. It's, I think the biggest difficulty is just learning how to like really advocate for yourself or advertise yourself where you're like, Hey, I would be good for you, but that's sometimes hard to say. And I think getting used to that was probably the hardest.
2: Especially, too, at an age where, I mean, at least me in high school, I was not the most confident and had self-doubt. So maybe in a sense, you kind of did have to at least fake it until you make it, you feel like. Or what? Yeah, definitely advocating for yourself at that point must have been really hard. But I mean, you also had to juggle like online school transitioning into that in 2020, right before the pandemic. So we're curious, too, what would like a typical week look like for you between school, social life? training at the monster factory and everything in between before and after online school.
1: So before online school, because I trained in wrestling for about two years before I switched to online, I had probably the worst possible schedule. You could, it was not, I would not recommend it to anyone. Um, I'd wake up around like six, I'd get ready. I'd be at school till three. I would go to track after school because I ran track my, uh, freshman and sophomore year. Um, And then I'd be at track until about 5.45. And then some days I would go home and do homework. And on training days, which is Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, I wouldn't go every day back when I was in school, but um, I would get home at 5.45, eat dinner, and then drive out to training at eight. So I'd have to leave at seven. And then I'd get home around like, I want to say like 10.30 and then wake up and do it all again the next day.
0: But honestly, that is such a testament to the things that you were willing to do and how you were willing to, kind of stack your schedule to do all the things you want to do. And certainly it has paid off in the wrestling world because the past year has had some incredible matches for you. Do you feel like, is there a particular opponent or match from the past year? That's been maybe one of the biggest learning experiences for you.
1: I mean, to be completely honest, one of the biggest like learning experience matches you were actually there for was this weekend at GCW in Florida. Um, because it was a tournament match and it was my second match against Jordan blade is specifically the one I'm thinking of as a wrestler. I normally like to have a lot of like preparation going into the matches. And I like to feel like we really got to like solidify what we want to put out there. And as you can probably tell by watching a tournament, you know, everyone's out there wrestling one person to the back, the other person's out there having a match and you, you realize like the match beforehand that you're next. And you get like no time to plan anything. So you just have to go out there and like trust your training and trust the ability you already have and trust the other person you're out there with, which Jordan is great. So that was pretty easy. Um, But just doing stuff like that is definitely always a big learning learning experience.
0: And honestly, it was an awesome match too. Thank you. Wow.
2: Especially too with a tournament like that, you kind of have to have the endurance and there obviously you defeated Maserati first. And then if I'm correct, and then obviously yes. you went on to face Jordan Blade. But in a tournament like that where it's so unpredictable, do you have to go in with any different just since we're talking about it, do you have to go in with any different preparations to be sure that you're able to have that cardio or that endurance or that stamina in a tournament like that?
1: I mean, yeah, you definitely have to feel like you're in good shape. And then beyond that, you have to make sure, you know, you're like well hydrated during the day or something that I normally don't do on days I'm wrestling. But what I because like call times and it gets all messed up is I'd never I like never eat lunch, which is not a good idea. But for this specifically, because I knew I was going to have to do more. I was like, all right, screw it. I'm ordering food. I might like worry about it, but it's so worth it because you need to have that extra energy and you, you can't. Because normally you can just get through on adrenaline when you're just having one match. You have the match, you get through on adrenaline, you're done, you kind of collapse, and then you just wait till you go get food. But when you have to deal with the adrenaline crash and then the spike again to go wrestle again, you need that extra energy.
0: You really have to plan your day accordingly yeah. when it tournament setting. And I know you were kind of like a late addition to the tournament as well. Yes. So it's nice to be able to kind of like figure things out on the fly in a shorter amount of time for sure.
1: Yeah, I was added that Wednesday for the Saturday show. Yeah.
2: My gosh, yeah, that's even closes the window of opportunity even like smaller. But I mean, according to you too, no one flies higher than an angel. And you've certainly been soaring with your appearances in AEW. And more recently, a WWE tryout that you participated in last month at the time of recording this in December. So what are some of your takeaways or notable things that you learned from that experience at the PC?
1: Um, one of the coolest things I would say I got to work on, which isn't like something I immediately expected, but like the way they teach promo class is very cool because it's the biggest, nicest camera. I assure you any (laughs) independent wrestler has ever cut a promo in front of. So you're just looking at this giant camera because normally I'm cutting my promo in front of this thing, which is not very intimidating, but you have to look dead into this camera and you get to see it played back and you get to see it on like a TV screen. And I think like the best lesson from that is you have to see like how still you have to stand for it to not be distracting because I'm a hand gestures person. And if you're like kind of moving back and forth or if you're moving your hands around a lot, it like, the camera's so like close in on you that it makes it look really weird if you're moving around anything too much.
2: Interesting. Mm -hmm. Do you recall any certain promos that you made that weekend and were they on the fly or did you
1: actually have time to script them out? So... I came in with one introductory promo already in mind um, because you know that you're going to do that. Yeah. And then we actually got an assignment for a promo where we got to pre-plan it the night before, and then we cut it the next day. Um, I don't know if I'm supposed to okay, tell okay. people what are like, you know, no, no worries from what I've heard. It sounds like they're pretty consistent between tryouts. So, you know, understood. Okay. understood.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now. Now, whether or not you can tell us more about the process of the tryout, and if you can't, yeah. can you tell us more about how this opportunity was actually brought about to you?
1: So, I got this tryout through kind of like two layers of contacts. This back kind of to the networking being hard but very important in wrestling thing. Um, so, I worked a show against Lady Frost at WrestlePro, um, probably back in August. And my trainer, Dan, got me that contact to work that show. And um, Pat Buck formerly uh, worked with WrestlePro. He now also uh, works with WWE, but I believe he still keeps up with WrestlePro. And I want to say it was either like a couple weeks before or a couple weeks after he told me he was going to put me in for a tryout. And that was how I got that, um, like that reached out to for a tryout um, because... You put in your own information, but everyone does that. There's probably like 50,000 applications just sitting there. So they're not really looking through, I would guess, every single application that people put in. But when you get recommended from someone within the company, whether that be like a scout or someone who works in any other department, that really helps.
0: Definitely a a good thing to like you said, even if it is challenging to do that, that networking piece of it. So, yeah. um, and and you mentioned obviously being at the PC in Florida and I got the chance to actually meet you for the first time at generation championship wrestling in Florida, competing in the diamond yeah. cup recently, but you're based in Pennsylvania. Um, so with much of your career spent competing on the East coast, is there any places that you hope that your career will take you in the future? Travel wise.
1: Oh God. I feel like the cliche answer is everywhere, but it is everywhere. Um, I would say like the biggest ones for me is like Texas has a really great wrestling scene where I've not worked at all yet. Um, I know that there's some cool stuff going on in California, which I would also love. And then the, I feel like the most obvious answer for really anyone, but especially for women's wrestling is Japan, Japan. the wrestling is just so, so strong out there. And I would love, you know, the opportunity to go tour with someone or to go learn from them even
0: you talk about like these awesome learning opportunities we are manifesting we're manifesting for the future yes yeah um now now taking it back to who notorious Mimi is you know in the wrestling world you are pro wrestling's number one angel but you're also notorious so is there a balance between these you know two monikers
1: they are definitely kind of like a little bit on the opposite sides of the spectrum but I like it that way because I think it encompasses the whole character um because, you know, you have this angelic side of me, but I'm also not afraid to, you know, be that person who will not stop talking trash with the crowd all night. Um, and I feel like just one or the other kind of, I can go either way, but I like that it balances them out, you know. A little extra seasoning. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Would you say you're more so this angelic character versus more this dark slash notorious Mimi?
1: I would say, yeah, definitely, especially just my presentation leans more towards the angelic side, but depending on, you know, the show or the storyline, I lean into either.
2: Okay. So then talking about this kind of dark side, more notorious Mimi, what, if you were to take like the opposite route of an angel, more villainous, maybe a dark angel, however you want to phrase it, how do you present yourself with the crowd then more? So if you're playing this more villainous heel.
1: Um, I mean, you see it definitely with the wings or with the gear or whatever I wear. I have one set that I'll wear either way of the pink gear, which I just love and I'll wear it no matter what I'm doing. But um, I have my white gear and my white wings or my silver gold wings for um, when I'm working as a face. And then whenever I'm wrestling as the villainous bad guy, I like to have like the dark wings and I have uh, my purple, black and gold gear. Like it just I like having a little bit more of a dark presentation.
2: Especially, to talking about your wings. I mean, we've seen very iterations of your signature wings, like the bronze, yeah. the teal, the very lovely white pair. So do you have any plans or visions for your next set of wings?
1: Honestly, I need to restock on my sets that I've already had before okay. I get uh, new sets. They're unfortunately very fragile so they do be like they just kind of shed around the house and sometimes because the base of them is cardboard if too many feathers shed off in one spot you can see the cardboard exposed so I need more uh more sets of my plain white and plain gold ones and then after that I'm thinking at some point I'd like to see a bronze set because I don't have like a bronze bronze technically yet or like a copper but it's still up in the air what I would do next.
0: And I'm sure also the idea of traveling with these, you know, very delicate angel wings (laughs) might not be the easiest. Mm. So I can assume there's a a fair deal of uh, wear and tear that comes into the wings. So fair enough.
1: Traveling with those things is the absolute worst. Like when I'm just driving somewhere, it's not a big deal. I have a nice enough trunk where I can just throw them in there. But trying to figure out whenever I go like on a plane somewhere what to do. I have some miniature pairs that I can kind of just try to stuff in a suitcase, but um, I also have a pair that live in Florida right now, just in case. Um, My boyfriend has family that live in Florida and they very graciously uh, took in the wings. So I FedExed them down to Florida and then I uh, drove them to their house and that's where they live right now. I think
0: it just makes sense going forward. You might just have to have notorious Mimi wings all across the country all across the world just to make things easier you know I think that's fair stationed in all major cities yeah there you go there you go oh I'm sorry I need to tap into my Texas wings now so okay well and and just going back to the idea of you know a, a darker angel character and speaking of more villains who would you say are some of your favorite television or movie villains oh
1: gosh um one of the villains i always remembered really enjoying i haven't watched uh this show in a while actually but i grew up watching elementary which was like a sherlock holmes type tv show and there was a female villain named moriarty um in this version and i really liked her she was cool
2: now i i've never seen elementary so can you tell us more about moriarty and why she like resonated with you
1: I definitely liked that they left a level of, like, mystique about Mm her. Um, I thought it was really cool because in movies, you know, they can just use the same villain, like, up front and center the whole time. But with a TV show where there's a continuing storyline, like, they have to kind of like pepper it in in spots and like kind of keep you reminding like who the main villain is, but also you can't have like your main protagonist and your main villain face off in every episode. Yeah. So I just really liked the way that they like utilized that and the stories they told with the like relationship almost between the hero and the villain.
2: Definitely switching things up. I mean, not everything has to be continuous or fluid and leaves a, a, a amount of mystery to it, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, we are talking about like your wing gear, your wings. I mean, along the same lines that you exemplify a great taste in fashion. And I know I've, I've tweeted you once before. Thank I you. want to know where like you got those pants from. But I mean, outside of outside of the ring too. how would you describe your personal fashion sensor style?
1: I think as of probably like the last year or two, I've definitely been going more into like my own personal style versus what's super popular. And mm-hmm. I've realized that like what was trendy and like the like 70s, 80s inspired type stuff is definitely like my favorite, especially 70s. I am absolutely addicted to flare jeans and just like any sort of like flowy, like fun clothes like that absolutely make me so happy. And I've always been a huge colors person. Like I know a lot of people love just the all black outfits, but I am a huge fan of like oranges and like nice blues and, So I've just been trying to get as much clothes as possible that make me really happy.
0: And that's, I feel like what it should be all about too, with fashion is expressing yourself. And, and of course, you know, there's a very cyclical nature of, you know, what was old is new again. Um, And, and of course, staying within what makes you feel good and what is, uh, what feels authentically like you, but do you have any particular fashion influences or inspirations that you've uh, looked to over the years to kind of develop your personal style?
1: Honestly, like, a lot of the people that I like their fashion, the only inspiration I would say is, like, that they have their own personal style, and I like that about them, but I don't really have the same personal style as them, because, like, the people that come to mind, or the person that comes the most to mind is, um, I love Hunter Schaefer's style, um, yeah.
2: I just started watching Euphoria.
1: (laughs) We love Hunter Schaefer. She's so cool. Um, But I absolutely love her style, but I don't think it's necessarily anything like mine. So I think the real inspiration there is just like she wears what she likes. And I think that's inspiring.
0: Absolutely. Well, and and speaking of being inspiring and being an inspiration, you have been kind of getting yourself out there, and you've certainly been keeping yourself busy in the ring. But you know, when you aren't wrestling, what are the other interests? And maybe it is something along a fashion side. But what do you like to do when you when you aren't wrestling?
1: Um, most of my time when I'm not wrestling is either spent on schoolwork or the gym. Um, I'm currently in college. I'm only taking like three classes right now because I don't want to overload my schedule um, combined with wrestling, but I'm in school. I go to the gym just about every day. And then besides that, I really just love spending time outside, whether it's just like taking walks around our neighborhood or going hiking somewhere. Um, And whenever we travel somewhere for wrestling, I really try to make sure if it's somewhere that I've never been before, I get some time to go out and like explore the area. Have there been any... Oh, go ahead.
0: ahead. (laughs) Have there been any new places that you've uh, really enjoyed exploring in your wrestling travels?
1: Maine, Maine is absolutely Mm -hmm. gorgeous. We've been lucky enough that we've gone in the summer, so it's not like freezing cold. So you can still appreciate the area. And we made sure to like go on some hikes every time we went there. And it is so cute, like so beautiful out there.
2: I mean, too, you've mentioned, too, I want to know more about your love-hate relationship with running,
1: because I've seen you tweet about it multiple times, so let's hear more about this. So I used to run track, not particularly good, but, like, it was fun. I was, like, a low-level varsity runner. I was decent, but not good. Um, But I absolutely love the way running makes me feel, but also hate running because while you're doing it, it sucks. Um, everyone's heard of the whole runner's high gimmick at this point. It's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it's like kind of hard to explain, but there's something like after you're done running, I can't do long, long runs, but like even just like two miles is the perfect amount where you can just sit down and like lay on your floor and be like, I feel like I've accomplished something <laughs> yeah. today and you don't have to do anything else. And you feel like you accomplished something that day. But also, I have terrible shin splints now from,
2: from running track. all the
1: time growing up, so yeah, I, I try to avoid it as much as possible, but sometimes I get in running phases still.
2: I mean, you kind of have to. I mean, you have to stay yeah. in
1: shape physically
2: yeah. and mentally, and you mentioned that you're in college now, so I know you said you're taking it a bit easy, but I mean, it's your freshman I assume freshman year so maybe you don't have to have it down right away but is there any majors or programs that you're specifically looking
1: towards right now uh yeah I'm on track for a major in criminal justice
0: wow cool any and kind of what led you to want to pursue that
1: um it's always been something that I've had interest in I'm not sure exactly what career I'd want to pull out of it because I'm not particularly interested in being a cop um like maybe a law background would be really cool to see, but law school takes so long and is mm-hmm. so difficult. Um, but I just think it's really interesting to see like how the rules work in our world and like how you can enforce them and how you can also, you know, try to help people instead of trying to like just enforce and not really focus on the people who are, you know, maybe need more help.
0: Definitely. I think that's a very noble purpose to, to want to kind of pursue. So obviously best of luck to you on, on that as you pursue it, you know, we're still early on in this very new year. So what kind of professional or personal goals are you working toward in 2022?
1: Um, I think my biggest goal, I'm not sure if it'll be 2022, I'm hoping, but if not, that's all right. Um, is I just, I've gotten a lot of really cool opportunities, but technically none of them have been on television. So I would love to be able to say that I made my television debut in 2022. That's certainly something that I'm keeping an eye towards. Um, And then besides that, I would just love to continue to work for these promotions that you see broadcast more like globally or just to more people like GCW works with title match wrestling. And so does CCW and, like companies that either work with them or with fight I've really been enjoying, you know, being able to watch back my matches and tell people where they can go get like the full show to watch those.
2: Well, I mean, you talk about wanting to wrestle in Texas. There'll be certainly a lot of opportunities over here headed towards Dallas in a few months. So (laughs) manifest it, girl.
1: Yes. (laughs) Manifesting.
2: Definitely. Well, Mimi, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story and chat with us today. Of course, we'll be linking all of your socials down below so the folks can stay up to date with you. But for our audio listeners, can you please share where they can find you online?
1: They can find me on Instagram at The Notorious Mimi, on Twitter at Notorious underscore Mimi. Um, I'm on TikTok as The Notorious Mimi and Facebook as Amelia Her.
0: Well, thank you again so much. This has been a blast getting to know you even better. Be sure, my friends at home, that you are following Ella J at It's Ella J on Twitter and checking out a Wrestling Gal podcast with new episodes every week. You can find me at AYY underscore Marino on all the socials and on new episodes of Let's Get Serial on Saturday afternoons. So for Notorious Mimi and Ella J, I'm Alyssa Marino, and we'll see you again soon for the next edition of CCW's In and Out the Locker Room.